welcome. My name is Tim. I'm Vanty. I'm Murphy Durfee. And this is Go Mode, a link to the past randomizer podcast. We are in the presence of greatness right now. <laughs> God. Incredible. Dante making it to the final two of the 2021 main tournament. Dante, how do you even deign to spend time with such low lives as myself and Herfy Durfee? Well, first off, what does deign mean? Like, <laughs> we're talking about context clues. Uh, what what <laughs> i'm so lost Dane, uh you know dane uh like d-e-i-g-n let me just let me just google it do something that one considers to be beneath one's dignity what the heck i like you guys <laughs> i don't think you guys are below me i don't think anybody's well, I was using below flowery me. language no I, I was i was just uh using using some flowery language to, oh my uh, goodness the only person who's below me is my child because she's like not even a foot tall or something or maybe a little over a foot tall or something i don't know I don't, I don't know how high she is but um that's a literal joke but um i'm very beside myself um as far as like just being in finals uh i guess potentially we just scheduled like we're recording this sunday uh we scheduled games one and two for tuesday so you guys might have a champion uh, and we may just be waiting for game three. Who knows um, when this episode comes out. But um, my schedule is absolutely butts this week with work and the weekend. Unfortunately, I'm like completely out of town, uh, not out of town, but like out of like my house, like not here. And um, so I, 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 we talked to the admins and, uh, you know, I did that a little preemptively once I had, you know, passed Zelga and gotten to finals. So we may just have games one and two on Tuesday and um if if that doesn't if we don't have a winner, game three is probably not going to be until the next week. To be a hundred percent honest. <laughs> mm. Okay. So we might have the winner uh, by the time you're listening to this. If not, that means it went to a game three, and you better believe we will let you know when that game three is going to be. And of course, we're all going to be out there cheering for our friend Dante to win it all. No shade against uh, Gamachu. We love Gamachu as well. Um, but I mean, Dante. Dante's right there, and Dante is, uh, you know, someone that we talk to very often. So we would love to see them be successful. I mean, the way to look at it, uh, you know, we in in groups brackets, 128 people. There's going to be 127 losers. Only one person's going to come out on top. Who who's the best slash luckiest slash not unluckiest, uh, as as Blaine put it at one point. So, mm-hmm. um, very very excited and very uh, looking forward for it to be over. <laughs> Mm, I'm sure the 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 amount of pressure at this point is just I couldn't imagine, and, and you're handling it like a champ. So, well, best of luck to you uh, as you as you go into finals, and certainly in the next episode we will carve out some time to talk to you, do a, a retrospective debriefing, either as you know as the champion or as the runner up. Either way, I mean, how incredible! Um, what what an incredible run you've had. So we'll come back to that, and uh, I mean. On the outline right now, it says we should talk about main tourney, but I think we've pretty much summed it up. Like that's that's it. We've it's yeah. everything you need to know. It's coming to a close here. And I, I guess so. the other thing, be on the lookout for the the third place match. That's actually a thing, and it's it should actually be very hype to watch. Uh, Zelga versus um, Obscure Life Form. Yeah, my my brain just turned off for a minute. They they're I think they're scheduled Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So there might be a game three when this is coming out. It may be over, but that if you if 
go back and watch the VODs. I'm sure they were great. That's probably what, uh, that's what I'm expecting at least. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And then uh, let's not forget about the main tournament's little cousin, the Challenge Cup, uh, which has reached its top eight, uh, more or less. We're one away from that as of this recording. Um, but our top nine, I guess you could call it, uh, as, as of right now, we have, come on, I'm stalling for time because the scrolling is weird. Okay. Zen Arcane versus Late Bit. Mr. Scruff Ninja Tuna versus W. Garrison. Zero Rush, Zero Rush versus Malzanthalos. And Maya Neko versus either Adalor or Fant. So that's the top eight of the Challenge Cup. And uh, best luck to best of luck to everyone who is uh, vying for that top spot. Uh, we'll be mm-hmm. continuously checking in to to see how it's going, and we will uh, let everyone know once we have a winner there. Um, okay, moving right along. These are like the remnants of the Torny Tornado from last time. It, it <laughs> just left all kinds of debris and chaos in its wake, and now we're like walking along, like picking up like a single like potted plant and being like, "My God, that's us right now." Uh, so uh, another tournament that we have in the wake of the Torny Tornado. Um, actually, Falcon from the Francophone community reached out to me and asked me to let folks know about the new Francophone tourney that was just announced. Um, so that is going to uh, signups are open until June 26th. So if you're listening to this on the day that it's coming out and you have even just conversational knowledge of French, you can understand it and speak it. Uh, enough to get through an interview at the end of a race, then they would love to have you involved in their tournament. So we'll have a link to the rules and to sign up and the Discord all in our description. So go ahead and check that out. Mm-hmm. And best of luck to all of those folks. Um, okay, any thoughts on those before we move on? No, great, great stuff. I try to it. look at the rules. It's all in French, obviously. I couldn't understand <laughs> anything, so uh, moving on. Excellent. Le Samaria. All right, so we're going to do a little... <laughs> Wait, what? Le Samaria. Le, Le Samaria. <laughs> I love that. That's funny. All right, we're doing a quick switch up this time. You'll understand why soon enough. Uh, but right now, we're going to get into GMP community updates. All right, so of course, we've got the mentor tournament going on. We're in the middle of week three right now. Things are moving along without a hitch. Uh, the only kind of update I guess I have for the general public about this is uh, Kaysden has come uh, has come out to help us uh, from an admin perspective by setting us up with some async seeds. So we noticed when we released the last couple biweekly seeds that uh, they were some of the most popular ones we've ever done because we have all of these racers that are playing them, comparing their times to you know the other racers in the tournament. Um, so we're kind of taking that a step further, and uh, um, Kaysden offered to kind of do all the legwork to set this up. So we have 10 async seeds that are um, open, sword, assured, just like we're using for the uh, Swiss stage of the tournament. And they're just available to play. If you want to play them, you can, and then you can look at the times that other people got for those particular seeds and kind of compare. And then we have a um, spoiler channel where you can go talk about the various seeds that you played as well. So, uh, shout outs and thank you to Kaysen for doing that. One of the reasons that we decided to adopt that, uh, was because that was really successful, um, when we did that for the OWG mentor tournament at the beginning of this year with Malmo. Um, she said that was really successful and actually spawned the weekly races that they do, uh, or have been doing since then because of these async seeds that were happening during the tournament. So, 
I'm happy to bring that over to this tournament and those are available for you to play or just completely ignore. You don't have to play them. They're just for practice and comparison with others. So um, that's pretty much it for the mentor tournament. Just remember, uh, we're getting a lot more restreams going these days. So twitch.tv slash go mode podcast. If you want to check out some of these runners and their mentors being featured, go there. All right, so as I mentioned, the bi-weekly seed for episode 75, we did a second open sword assured. Um, very popular is our most run BWS yet. Um, uh, as of right now, how many people are we up to for this one? 64 different people have run this, and we've still got a few more days left. So without a doubt, our most uh, popular. To follow up for the next one, I was kind of thinking maybe we should do uh, just a regular open 7-7, which is our... A bracket stage type for the mentor tournament so a little bit of a um preview of what you're going to have to look forward to in brackets what do you guys think any yeah. other suggestions no I'm good with i that. think i'm down for that uh it's it's you know i was thinking can we really do a third open sword assured <laughs> i mean it's been super popular but we've also got the stuff that the case has set up or is setting up uh, so uh, I think that's a that's a good idea, and it it'll give people a little glimpse of what they can expect and maybe what the differences are. Yeah, cool. Okay, yeah. I just kind of I literally just thought of that, but I I think it makes sense. I think it's a good one. Pog. Cool. All right. So, so now <laughs> Pog indeed. So now um we want to talk a little bit about V thirty one point zero point nine update, massive update, uh, hot fix technically that was just released. Um and we figured we were already planning on having ALTTPR developer VTorp on to talk about uh, going through the randomizer. And we were like, well, makes sense to have VTorp join us for that conversation. So that's exactly what we did. So I'm going to put some kind of dumb sound effect right here. And then we will be into our interview with VTorp. All right. So next up, as promised, we're going to go over the new, very sizable update called V31.0.9 to a link to the past randomizer. And Given that we already had planned to have a certain very special guest on, we thought we should invite them on just a little bit sooner so that they're here to talk about some of these updates. So please welcome to the show ALTTPR developer VTorp. Hi. Hey, VTorp. Welcome back. Thank you. It's a pleasure to Good be to back. Good to have you again. Yeah. So um, this was a huge update. Do you want to say anything just right out of the gate about what it took to roll out this this particular fix, this, this, uh, would you call this a hot fix or is it too big to be called a hot fix? Every one of these, uh, sub dot releases is quote unquote a hot fix, but not really what I would consider in the land of hot fixes. Like hot fixes are when you broke something in the previous release and you're trying to like quickly get it set. This is more, I don't know, just like a sub release maybe. This almost feels like it could be 31.1.0. I don't know how software like naming works like that, but does I mean, does the size of the update ever determine like which decimal gets changed there? In in theory, if we were using uh, proper semantic versioning, then yes. However, that's not the case. So um, what would it take to change that middle number there? Uh Technically, that middle number was reserved for dot one uh, for a very particular release that we're still is is kind of always been in the wings and we're working on. And if I, I I'm just not going to say it. So, haha, mm. secret secrets. 
<laughs> well, that at least solves that, that does answer the question. So I definitely appreciate that. Um, okay, so let's go through uh, each of these points. So we've got them here, and some of these I think are pretty quick, and it's just like a, a quick head nod to say, oh, yes, that's cool that that's here. And then some of these I think there's maybe a little bit more conversation uh, to be had. So the very first one right off the bat is a new post-generation option called Reduce Flashing has been added to the game, and there's a shout-out to Cassidy Moen for helping to uh, bring that into this fix. So... I think there's kind of like one obvious, uh, really great, um, you know, solution or thing that this speaks to here uh, by eliminating the flashing. You know, anyone who is photosensitive doesn't have to worry now about being affected when when they watch the game. Um, you know, that's uh, personally not something I've had, had to deal with or known anyone who has dealt with. But I do know, I mean, people who have watched movies and TV shows, you know, almost all of us have seen that warning at the beginning that says, you know, there are some, there's some light flashing in this and people who are photosensitive, uh, be advised. So uh, to me, in, in my book, this is a, a great change, a great addition to be added just in the sense that it helps more people to enjoy the game. It doesn't really affect me personally, but I'm happy that it helps more people to play. So I think this is great. Then the other thing is, this is another thing we've talked about in live play. When you have the screen flashing, sometimes the other person that you're playing against can see that the screen is flashing, maybe get a little hint at where you're at in the game. So even from that aspect, I think this is still a really great change. So there's there's multiple reasons for this to be great. Um, uh, now I'll open it up to uh, um, the, the floor here. Um, what do you guys think about this reduced flashing option that's been added? I mean, more accessibility is always good. Helping people, you know, who are photosensitive to enjoy watching the game, maybe enjoy playing the game more. I don't think that's really a big deal to anyone. I don't think it really affects anyone negatively. So there shouldn't be any arguments about it, question mark. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was it was really uh, it was jarring for me. And I'll say jarring because uh, I was already like, you know, getting ready to play a game two in the, the tournament for like it, since it came out like mid tournament. Um, mm. And so I, I made sure like when we got our seed to just like watch the opening. So I know what to expect with the, the option. And we figured since it was on like one of the SG channels, it would probably be in our best interest maybe to, you know, turn it on. Um, and uh, I like when it did the agonim, you know, like flashing away the 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 maiden or whatever I, it you know i was anticipating it but uh it, it because i've played the game so much it was just like this big like i don't know it was screwing with my head i guess it was like okay adjustment yeah as soon as i saw it one time and it like processed i was like okay i know what to expect now or what to not expect i guess and then after that it was kind of, it was mostly unnoticeable i noticed like you know ganon's tower isn't flashing rainbow colors it's like it's open but it's not uh, if that makes sense uh, for that hmm. particular spot. And I'm sure there's more things like with ether and stuff like that, uh, you know, when that's being used. But I think overall it's a good change. Nice. This is probably a good opportunity for me to say, uh, to to just put out there, I have not played a new seed since this update has been made. Unfortunately, I haven't had an opportunity since that announcement. And today when we're recording this, um, so I kind of have to take everybody's word when Look it comes at this to guy. a lot of these changes. You repeated <laughs> on it and you haven't even played. Oof terrible i know i apologize <laughs> um so yeah um vtorp was this this seems like the kind of thing that would be theoretically kind of easy to uh to address was was this a difficult thing to to put in uh from my understanding of the original this has been on our radar to fix or to adjust or to create something for it for 
I want to say months, maybe even a year. And we had some original code that we wrote in. And for the most part, it seemed to be pretty easy. It was just changing some timers. But then it turns out there are some other parts of the code that like rely on those timers in weird ways that um, had to be addressed or looked at to make sure that everything was still working. Uh, I, I mean, honestly, if it's anything for accessibility or for making people's lives better, we're probably going to make those changes as we can. Um, like, we won't change the game to just make it, quote-unquote, better for people to play, but we will do things like for people with colorblindness or, or you know, obviously if they have epileptic... I'm not going to say the word anymore, but have, you know, photosensitivity. There we go. Yeah. Um, That's what I did to get around it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, I don't think it was terribly difficult in, in the large scheme of things we've done. Um, but definitely in the future, we will be trying to do more things to help out and bring, you know, this awesome game to more people. I'm very. Awesome. Uh, it's very linked to the past, though, isn't it? That some random timer is somehow important for something that seems completely unrelated at first. Yeah, uh, that's. Uh, it's very similar to the arc variable that yeah. that magically adjusts things. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that's a recurring recurring theme in this game. Um, all right, let's move on. We got we got a few more things we wanna we wanna cover with this thirty one point zero point nine update. So another uh, the next thing here, the credits have been updated to include additional individuals that uh, they wanted to recognize for their contributions to this project. Um, so again, I haven't played yet. Does anyone know who these people are? Do we want to try to list them? Are there too many? Where you know, how do we want to address this? Uh, I'm personally not sure of everyone. I know that Bonds had got into the credits. That's the only person that I know for sure. I know there's a, a nice um, interchangeable credit to whatever sprite that you choose. Uh, mm -hmm. That author's name is injected in there. Uh, so that way, you know, that way we didn't have to put hundreds and hundreds of sprite authors in there, uh, you know, or they didn't have to. And now it just it shows the one, who, you know, your sprite by, I think, is what it says. Uh, and then it has the, yeah. the artist name. And uh, Synac tipped us off to that a few weeks ago, so that was that's one that we knew was coming. But the new names uh, were were news to me at least. Um, I'll say this: if 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 we're not able to give you a list right now, I'll see what I can do about uh, putting something in the description. And if I can't get that done, why don't you just go beat a seed? You know, <laughs> just go beat a seed and yeah, see yourself. It, let, yeah, let's be a surprise. Um, all right, next up, this was a huge surprise to me, but I can't say I don't love it. The speed of the epilogue and credits can be increased four times the normal speed by pressing and holding X. Um, so there's some caveats. There might be minor graphical glitches. Um, and uh, the best part of this feature is, in my opinion, music plays at the normal speed. Um, also, sprites still move at a normal speed. It just increases the camera scrolling. So anyone who's played you know two seeds before probably knows by the time you're you're at the credits of the second seed you're like ready to hit the fast forward button on your emulator or whatever software you're playing now we have a built-in feature that we can all kind of agree on and use that not only does that fast forwarding for us but preserves the music and i love that because you know, normally the fast forward of your emulator or whatever just absolutely destroys the music, makes it sound unintelligible, which is kind of funny, but, you know, not an optimal experience. Now, um, you know, if you're making an MSU pack or something like that, 
you don't have to worry about whatever theme you have for your credits just getting totally ignored most of the time because people are fast forwarding through it and you can more thoughtfully kind of pick something that goes there. So I absolutely love this and I want to open it up to to uh, to my friends here. Um, what do you guys think about this? Man, yeah, this is I, so good. I think it's pretty cool. And uh, I think, you know, me as an emulator player, I'm like, yeah, all right, that's pretty That's pretty cool. I mean, you know, I already have my tab button, which is, I think, the default key in emulators for the speed up. But uh, if you played on hardware, you, you always had to sit through credits. There was no real way to speed them up reliably and without breaking everything. And uh, I saw someone, I unfortunately forgot who it was, but I saw someone on the Rando Discord talk about this and they were like, dude, imagine the credits are like seven minutes long or something in total. And uh, eight, yeah. Or maybe eight, yeah. And I've played, I don't know, 200, 400 seeds, you know, so 400 seeds times eight minutes. Imagine how much time I've wasted of my life just sitting there letting those same credits (laughs) scroll by every time. And I, you know, I was playing, or that person was playing on hardware, so they didn't even have the the, the chance to speed anything up. So uh, I think this is this is a pretty awesome change for everyone who plays on hardware, especially. Yeah, coming absolutely from a SNES, this is like like the godsend, just because, you know, I, I will say the first time I used it, I was like, I gotta hold this button, I can't type to my opponent and discuss things very quickly you know with two hands so it was like one-handed typing and i'm like you know what i don't even care i can fast forward the credits and be done with them uh you know for whether it be ladder tournaments or casual and i want to see my collection rate so uh i think this is awesome just because uh now that you you put it into words or vocalized it the whole how many seeds i've played uh and knowing that the credits have been there and and granted I've gotten up and like done stuff around the house, especially like waiting for delays and like tournament stuff to catch up. But, uh, yeah, like being able to save a little bit of time or reclaim sometimes always a nice thing. Yeah, absolutely. Is this something that has been in the pipeline for a while Vitor, or was this something that someone just kind of brought and you were able to neatly place in? Uh, actually, so we've, we've had many discussions on how to, get to the end of the credits as quickly as possible, especially for console users. I just realized my console's still on. Let me turn that off. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, no, especially for console users, because most of the the devs and and all of our friends are are usually console users. And we've had, you know, different ideas of like using the, uh, the D pad to scroll through like back and forth and a few other things. And this one, um, one of the, the guys who was working in ROM dev was like, I could just do this. It's like, yes, please. Awesome. Let's, let's make that the thing. Huh. So I did nice. ask this in the rando discord already to the person directly who, who made this, but, uh, I'm going to ask you this as well. Why X instead of uh, a, uh, which is the dash button in the game, which makes you go faster. <laughs> <laughs> I think X because it's, uh, unlikely to be accidentally hit mm-hmm. um you don't want to because i you know when you're mashing through text boxes you're usually hitting a but maybe you don't want to speed through the credit sequence maybe you want to watch it yeah all right i'll i'll accept it that's fair it would be fun if it was a and you had to like hold it down for about a second you know before it finally started to work <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so I realized by being the one who lists these off, it gives me the opportunity to comment on them first, which is not really fair. So um, Dante and or Herf, does one of you want to take over on the next one, starting with the Underworld clips? Sure. Yeah, sure. Go ahead, Herf. Uh, All right. You want to go first? Herf, okay, yeah, I'll, first. Let me, yeah, let me go first. I'll just go first. So um, when Underworld clips are enabled, uh, we'll have a new line in the menu, which will show you which of the bosses have been defeated already, which... I gotta admit, I'm not really super familiar with how those two interact. I suppose when you have Underworld clips enabled, you're never really sure which dungeon you're in, so you can't necessarily always 100% follow which bosses you've already killed and which you haven't. That's, I think, pretty much the the long and short of it is, yeah. If you cross through and keep the same dungeon ID, even though you may beat a certain boss, it might treat it as a different boss being defeated right that makes sense okay yeah oh wow all right well so i i think this is more or at least a little bit of a niche case for for the more um i don't know extreme modes do you want to call it extreme (laughs) modes i I don't know what to call them extreme yeah no that i know exactly what you mean when you say that i mean you know they seem extreme to me they're probably just some bread and butter of people like malmo or whatever but to me it seems kind of extreme (laughs) anyways yeah um, yeah. One change I'm personally super happy about, even though it's such a small one, is that the bottles... We've talked about this before as well, I think, on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, the bottles now work like the other items that share an inventory space, like the shovel and the flute, for example. So when you're using quick swap and you're at the bottles and you press L and R at the same time, so you swap through your different bottles that you have. You don't need to open up the menu anymore and you don't need to swap through every bo- bottle individually. Uh, which is always kind of a weird thing because especially with quick swap you're you're never really sure how many bottles you have and which ones yeah. have which and then if you start quick swapping through them you go one too far or one too little and it's it's just much more convenient and consistent like that I feel like I would have to agree yeah as someone who is uh, still hasn't fully learned how to quick swap and normally just mashes L or R until I see the item that I want to appear this option is going to take out some of those things that I could have cycled through. And so I like it. I, and you know, because it works the same way as the flute and the shovel, it there's precedent for it. It makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, introduced by Kednalatackle. I'm glad yeah, you I'm not tried to tackle that. Uh huh. I was not even gonna attempt that, but thank you for. I was doing good until like the fourth or fifth syllable there, and then I crashed and burned. Um, (laughs) Ked Nala tackled uh, was was the one who developed that, and we'll, you know, go to the updates page of alttpr.com to read all of these and see all of these names. I'm not even gonna say that we'll put them in the description. Just go to the source and and find them there. You know, a, a trick that I use is I just read until I feel confident that I've said at least one syllable. So thanks, Ked. Thanks, Ked. Yeah, perfect. And there's even, there's like a capital N after that, so it feels okay to just say Ked right there. Totally. All right. That that works for me. Nice. All right. Um, uh, I'll do one more before I pass it on to Dante. Sounds good. Um... The bot authors may now specify a game name and notes and API requests to API or slash API slash randomizer. Uh, again, I'm, I can only assume what practical use this might have. I'm going to assume you can just now more specifically tell the bot or in general tell the seed uh, what you're going to use it for, for archival purposes, I guess. 
Ooh, you are you were close. Actually, Dang. the the name and the description these are things that you would normally set in customizer, where you mm-hmm. can be like, this is you know, even in like a tournament situation, you'd be like, this is the tournament game. You could title it between Dante and Herfy Durfy Game Three, and that would be mm-hmm. the title. So anybody who uses that permalink would see that title, and then you could have a description which maybe lists like. Oh, you're not allowed to use this, or you might have to use, you know, Underworld Clips, you know, like give you more information about it, or even like it was generated on this day for this, you know, for this use, or whatever you want. In theory, okay. we're kind of opening it up so that the bots can can have a little more usage and not directly have to use the customizer per se. All right, that's pretty nice. cool. That's yeah, that's kind of close to what I was uh, thinking. Just you know, later on, usually I have a bunch of seed safe that are just you know uh, a random collection of letters and numbers, and I'm like, uh, what was this? What what was this? What did I do with this? Yeah, yeah. But this would be at the time of generation, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it would be kind of cool, cool nice. like if uh, you know tournament organizers down the line. Not saying they should, but. If they cat like cataloged all the seeds, and then when the tournament's over, you know, there's always, it's always at least like what one person who's like, I wish I could get a hold of the seed that X and Y played in round Z, you know, like or whatever. Mm-hmm. And if there's like you know a catalog of the permalinks already there, then they're there. And when you click on it, it's like this is, you know, X versus Y game one, and you know that would be. It would be neat. Uh, it's it's more work for very little reward, I think. But the fact that like you can add in literally anything instead of just like who played it, um, I think is awesome. Just so you know, like if there's a caveat of the seed, like something in, in customizer by chance, or you know, like kind of Vitor was saying with the glitches, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I could almost see that being done in the future. It's like a matter of course. Like, you know, the the mad scientist Sinak is like, oh, I wrote a thing, a script that just automatically puts in both opponents and what game this is in the series and what day it was played. You know, just like fills that entire description thing out with with pertinent info. I'm calling it. I know he's going to do that. I mean, I I think that's pretty much what this allows you to do in the first place, since most of Sinek's stuff is generated by his spot already. I don't think yeah. it's going to be too hard to add a couple more param- parameters to to send that info along as well. Totally. All right, Dante, take it away. What's next? All right. So now we've got a new random option that was added for the heart color, uh, thanks to Dr. Blue. Um, and, you know, I always pick blue heart colors, but, you know, I guess if, if you switch it around yourself and you want to just pick random and you don't know what you're getting until you boot it up. That's, I think that's neat too. Um, assuming that's how it works. Yeah. Uh, Vtorp is, is that how it works? <laughs> yeah, it, it works very similar to the other like random options that you can have where it's like, if you do a random sprite, it's just going to pick a random one at the time that you like patch your ROM. Right. It's in the browser. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, it, this is one of those, it's a cool side thing we could have always done. We didn't necessarily do it as the core dev team, although Dr. Blue's been doing a lot of great work recently helping out. Um, the reason we didn't initially do it is because, honestly, the heart color is is literally the only purpose that we did it was to help with people who have colorblindness and who mm-hmm. couldn't see, like, red-black uh, colorblindness. They didn't know how many hearts they had. <laughs> And, yeah, that's uh, a that's a little bit of a problem if you yeah. don't know if your hearts are full or empty. 
Yeah, so that was the original reasoning, and then being able to add this as a feature is pretty cool. So, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So, also, uh, I totally forgot this was a thing uh, that was coming out for um, for this hotfix, and I learned it really quickly uh, when we got to the Ganon fight, but uh, Ganon will now say something, uh, quote, funny and original when the Silver Arrows are not in the pool or they're unavailable. And uh, there's a list of everything. The one I was blessed with um, was Silver Arrows are so V30, which I think is a good one. <laughs> um, I did see, just kind of scrolling through here really fast, I did see one that kind of struck me funny. Uh, did you find Silver Arrows in scenic Ohio? So, <laughs> um, and there's a lot of a other uh, really good you know video game references, like other games. Um I guess those silver arrows just get mixed up constantly to to other games. It's no longer just Metroid now, so uh, yeah, that's <laughs> that's a thing. Yeah, yeah, there's some fun ones. We'll put the list in. Um, Sinak was nice enough to provide us with the full list of all of the uh, silvers unavailable Ganon quotes. There's some pretty good ones in there. Vitorp, do you have any personal favorites from the list? Uh, I, I did like Scenic Ohio. Um, there's one that's uh, Finding the Arrows in Dev Null. That one's always kind of a <laughs> programming humor. I programming assume. humor, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, some of these are just wonderful. The funny thing is, and I, I was—I think I ever said this on stream when Sinek was having me like review the PR for this one. It was like the original, like I put in the the planet Zebes or Zebes, however you want to pronounce uh-huh. it. I originally put that in because a lot of my friends are also Super Metroid runners, and I'm like, yeah, this is great, this is awesome, and then. You have Total who comes along and actually merges the two games, and then people could potentially get really confused, going, "Wait, <laughs> that's no." Anyhow, but yeah, did, um, I, did I just play an SMZ three seed and just nothing was in the Metroid world except for Silvers? I don't understand. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I mean, if yeah. you're not playing Entrance, you don't really go in those doors so I, I you know i guess if you're really not paying attention it could maybe mess with your head you know I, i'm grasping at straws there but uh, it's yeah. possible <laughs> yeah just the, the thought that somebody could actually be playing one of those and, and not realize it just like oh yeah I, I guess i did see something kind of weird in there i just didn't really think about it i guess it could happen um, so this next one, uh, Dante, I'm, I'm very, very excited about. Tell us about the next change. I like this a lot. Uh, the MSU one track playing in the overworld will now resume where it left off uh, when returning to the overworld, um, assuming the same track is playing. Uh, and thanks to Balta for that. Uh, I think this is pretty cool. This is like a caveat. Not every platform is going to uh, support it. Um, the feature is known to work on the latest SD2 SNES and or FX pack. Uh, you know they had to rename that um, SNES 9X, B SNES slash Hegan, um, and the revision two of MSU one is required. But uh, I mean, basically, I mean, I run on an FX pack Pro, SD to SNES Pro, whatever you want to call it, uh, and it, it's worked flawlessly so far. Uh, the the one seed I've played with it, and I thought it was absolutely great to kind of have a song that I made sure I picked a pack that had a a song that was for the overworld that was maybe it needed a little bit of build up if you know what I mean so it wasn't always mm-hmm. the same beginning every single time and uh, yeah I think I think this is a really good change overall um, hopefully we get more use out of it we'll say uh, down the line with uh, more packs that people make yeah 
I yeah, I, I really like this. So I'm I'm writing a, a album of original you know MSU tracks to use for a length of the past randomizer, and I just finished up not too long ago with the overworld theme. And one of my fears before was like, this is too long. No one's ever going to hear the end part of this song. It's almost like I'm, it's kind of a waste of time to be doing this. And then suddenly this hotfix comes out and it perfectly solves that issue where it's okay to have kind of a longer song. Cause if someone like goes into a cave and comes back out or whatever, it'll pick back up where it left off and, and you'll be able to hear that, that later part. So, I mean, there's, there's no way this is not just like a really great, change overall um and just like makes the game better i would say yeah um next we've got uh the website now allows by default quick swap to be uh used or toggled with the generation of games uh and you can disable it now via the api if you want to completely bar uh you know i guess people from using quick swap in said race I, i think it's nice to have the feature to you know make sure no one can use it if that's the case i know kind of with the racing community right now that like the general consensus is, you know, quick swap is pretty much allowed uh, in most tournaments. I think I don't I don't think I, I even know of a tournament that's got it banned right now. To be honest, mm. yeah, this is another one that we got a little teaser about uh, a few weeks ago, and now it's as as was uh, you know as was discussed has now been put into place. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Herf, um, I yeah. know you love talking about the new sprites so uh you want to mm-hmm. you want to kick us off with talking about like uh i'm honestly i don't know who half of some of these are i mean we got we got a, a link here to the picture that was posted and we got a couple of a couple of Mega Man's and a majora's mask but maybe maybe hurtful knows who some of these other gamers are in here i mean i recognize Kalupi and i recognize what seems to be a naked old man Wait, what? Where's the naked old man? What's that guy oh, next no, to Oh, no, I think that's a Lionel. Is it? That would be my I guess. I thought it was Darunia yeah, from Ocarina. Oh, could be. Pretty sure could Conkers be. is in there. Yeah, that is the Matrix Conker. Oh, Conker? Mm-hmm. Uh, Knuckles? Is that Knuckles? I don't um, think that's Knuckles. That seems to be a girl of some sort. A girl with red hair that's the same color as... Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. That's not Knuckles. Yeah. I, some of these I thought we already had. They must be updates, like uh, like Floating Head, Link, and Clippy. I'm like positive we already had that one. This must just be an update. Yeah, Maybe. maybe. I'm I'm a personal friend of the Dig Duck Sprite. Hmm. Nice. <laughs> Wait, what? Your personal friend of yes. the Dig Duck Sprite? That's that's my that's I mean you know that's my homie. <laughs> Spike Roller, I think, is that the bottom right one. Yeah. yeah, that's great. I would love to see that one in action. What kind of like crazy frames do they have? <laughs> oh, sprites! Love sprites. More sprites. That's that was a whole lot of update for for a, mm-hmm. a right. You know, a, a minor. What was that like? Not even a minor revision. Maybe a. I don't know. Ever I, I don't sub, know how the, the thing works. Release. Yeah, there you go. There we go. It's <laughs> it's actually we have a uh, we have some people who are. Um, you know, just interested in helping out with development. So we had a chance and, and they're like, hey, we can fix these things or here's something that if everyone agrees that we want to adjust or add on, let's get it in there. So Yeah, and that's and always a good thing. Always been on, yeah, you've always been on record in the past as saying, you know, if someone has an idea and they want to put in the legwork to figure out the implementation and pitch you an idea of how it could be, 
how it could be, you know, rolled into ALTTPR, you're more than willing to listen to that sort of thing. Oh, absolutely. It's it's just a matter of also then taking into account, does it like meet the general idea of where the randomizer is heading? Like, because there's at some point where you're basically making a ROM hack, but if it still fits within the land of the randomizer, yeah, let's let's add it or, or adjust it or make it work for everyone. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, Vitor, thanks for uh, taking that tour through the the latest hotfix and and checking out all the the updates with us. Now, I think I think probably it's time for us to uh, take a little bit of a turn and get into our feature and talk a little bit more about the code of ALTTPR. Let's go. Okay, so this episode, the idea is to do sort of a, you know, we did a examining the randomizer episode not too long ago, uh, and we wanted to follow up on that specifically with someone who knows the randomizer better than anyone else out there. Uh, so we had to invite onto the show uh, for a third time, Mr. V Torp. V Torp, hello again. Hello. Well, it's great <laughs> to be back. I love back, <laughs> back again. Back again. And I love it here. You guys. You, it, it's such an insightful podcast. It's it's great to to listen whenever I can get a chance, and then sometimes I I, I take my notes off to the side and then I save them up for later when I'm just going to lambast you with. No, I'm just kidding. No, hey, <laughs> I don't mind because now's the time to read off of your notebook and uh, t- learn us a thing or two about about the code of this game. We need a, um, an entire episode of well, actually. And it's just nothing but <laughs> the devs correcting us on things we have said wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I would subscribe to that podcast. If, if we could have a, a cousin podcast that just corrected everything we said on this one, I would be the number one subscriber to that podcast. I would love it. Oh, that'd be funny. I, well, it was funny because when you did the first reading the logic and you guys were looking at the files, I was sitting there listening and I started responding out loud. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> this is a podcast and I'm not in a room with them. They can't hear this. <laughs> well, we've corrected that. We've got you on a microphone. We're we're all ears here. Um, so so let's get into part two of examining the randomizer, which really is going to be like a deeper dive into the kind of things we were talking about in that episode. Before we get into that, uh, let's just catch up real quick. Um, you know, it's been a year and some change since the last time we had an opportunity to talk with you. So, what have you been up to? How's it going? Uh. It's it's been a year and some change. I've been doing really well. Um, I bought a house. That's you know personal Ooh. life. Uh, I'm fostering rabbits. That's always exciting. You know these are non randomizer related things, but fun to know. Yeah. Um, and and life's been good. Uh, but uh, randomizer land. I've been working on the same thing for the last year and a half, which is V thirty two. V thirty two. Yep. So, uh, yeah, a lot of new people uh, stumble into the community, and I was definitely one of these people for a long time, and the, they ask what seems to be a very simple, innocent question, um, which is, when is V32 coming out? Um, because, you know, they see that there's a V31 right now, and they assume an update is in order at some point. Um, but eventually all these people will learn why it's taking so long for V32 to come out. And I wanted to give you an opportunity to address that right now um, for folks who are newer to the community and don't realize all of the work that you're doing that's going to go into releasing V32. Ah, yeah, well, it's a it's a simple answer. Keys are terrible, and they will always be terrible. <laughs> Nobody likes them. We should just remove all doors and all keys from the game, and mm. V32 could be out tomorrow. I'm just kidding. It, it really is... Uh, <laughs> 
There, we, we're switching the entire underlying core logic from our current system that we use in V31 to a graph-based system and using graph traversals and whatnot. And um, it, it allows for the main item randomizer to also do and take on everything from overworld randomization to constraint randomization to um, also incorporating the parts of the... Uh, uh, entrance randomizer and even the door randomizer if, if we wanted to merge all those in uh, and it will also allow it to have real enemizer with logic meaning you might walk into pod and go down the right side and you're like I don't have to worry about needing the bow and you walk in there and find terror pins where now you realize you need the hammer to get through this room mm. or you ah. find a dead rock and realize oh I am going to need powder or quake so see that's so that's the dream for me with enemizer as annoying as that could be in like a race situation like being able to have that is like i think that that's like a super solid addition to enemizer yeah yeah it feels like a more holistic approach to randomizer because like that's one of the fun things about this game is that like you get stopped by um, you know, the environment needing certain items, needing certain things to kill certain enemies. That's like a part of it, you know, and being able to manipulate that uh, with the new logic sounds super fun. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the and, and the, the honest uh, reason why it's just it's taking a little bit longer than expected is there are a lot of um, parts moving parts to graph randomization or to, to graph uh, representation, traversal of said graph, and then the 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 keys because we can't assume that people you, you don't have perfect knowledge when you're playing the game so you're not going to use your keys in the best way we have to assume people use your keys in the worst possible way and they do otherwise and, and if we don't make that assumption then people get soft locked and no one likes a game that they can't win yeah then, then you have people going to reddit and being like uh i think i found the one seed that's actually impossible yeah, which when V32 comes out, there's a high probability that we will legitimately have those again. <laughs> mm. Well, that's fair. You know, after a new after a new version, I guess that's that yeah, makes sense. With a major overhaul like of any code, I feel like bugs are expected. Uh, even if even if someone's like, this is you know ready to release, there's probably going to be a bug or two to squash for sure. Yeah. And, and this this will also have a large round of beta testing with it um, just to make sure that, you know, it makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, thanks for clearing that up. With all of that kind of out of the way, let's talk about the current randomizer we have right now with V31 uh, and get into your notes about examining the randomizer. So the first thing we had, we, we opened up to our Twitch subscribers, as we sometimes do for uh, questions. And we had one, quest, uh, one question here from Professor Renderer, who asked, with how intricate the logic is within ALTTPR, how deep does it go and how is logic generated? And I thought that could maybe be a good kind of springboard to start with talking about how the randomizer works in general. No, absolutely. Um, so how intricate the logic is within ALTTPR also... For the item randomizer, it's it's one layer. For the enemizer, it has its own layers of logic. For entrance randomizer, similarly, all of them will have kind of their own way that they handle logic. They're all loosely based on the same ideas uh, as each other, which was sadly a, a poor idea that I had 
four years ago, and and it just kind of stuck and worked for a lot of people, um, of kind of a loose graph but truth table based um, logic where your ability to get to any given item location is the summation of the items you have and then you have these really large logic blocks that are like if you have the hook shot or if you have the hammer and the mirror and you have a flute or you have the gloves and a lamp that's all the ways you can get over to eastern death mountain and it gets really like deep and intricate um how was all that generated somebody sat down and wrote it all out uh over the period of two years (laughs) (laughs) and and adjustments have been made go go ahead (laughs) so i had kind of i don't even know if this is a question that makes any sense and we're skipping around a little bit but i was wondering when you started this or maybe even what's the case now are items being considered and then placed or are the locations being filled with items and that might even be an arbitrary distinction but could you could you maybe speak to that sure no uh so it's the um the world exists kind of start with that imagination and there are item locations in it and then you have a list of items that you want to place in that world and the the game the the randomizer itself it starts placing those items into the world and then makes determinations after those items have been placed okay all right <laughs> that, that answers that uh now this is probably as good a time as any to actually jump back into uh the notes that we have here and talk about that item placement order so we have this world and we're taking the items and we're putting them into the placements. How is it decided the order in which that occurs? That's a terribly good question. And I need to look at the code real quick. <laughs> hey, <laughs> by all means. Um, yeah, it was one of those. I, I had just, I had just, cause I've been doing the, the V32 stuff so much that my mind is like, Oh yeah, I should go back quickly and look at that. Mm. Um, so what we do is we, we break up, all of the items in the game into specific groups. Um, and the groups are generally items of the same... I, I, I kind of want to use the word merit here or or type, but not really. Like Crystals and pendants are prizes that let you get into Ganon's Tower or to the, the pedestal, but they're of the same type. They kind of go in the same places. Um, dungeon items... They basically go into dungeons, other than like if you're using uh, the terms are wild or uh, in code, they're called wild keys, wild big keys, wild maps and wild um, compasses. But the idea is they're kind of like grouped together in, in where they're allowed to go. So we place them kind of based on that. We start with the most restrictive groups first. So crystals and pendants, there are 10 of them. There are 10 locations. We're going to place those first. Uh, then we kind of usually move on to the dungeon items because if the keys aren't in the dungeons, we don't know if you can get to certain places. So we want to make sure that those get put in. We also put in the maps and compasses at this point because there's nothing worse than placing a whole bunch of items and realizing you have no place to put a map in a dungeon. You're like, oh, that's, yeah, we got to make sure that gets in there first. Mm -hmm. And then we work through the advancement items and those are defined by any item that will give you logical access in some way to a location. 
Um, that that kind of is squishy based off of the settings you pick, and we'll get to that later. But the hookshot is definitely an advancement item. Sometimes a heart container is an advancement item. Uh, mm. Then after that, we have the the nice items. We just want to make sure that they get placed in places, and then we have what I call the trash pool, which is just everything else that if you get it or don't get it, you're probably not going to be upset. Sometimes that it's generally rupees, but arrows, bombs, things like that. Hmm. Hearing you talk about this, my memory is being somewhat jogged from when we talked about it last time, the classifications of advancement items, nice items, trash items. This is all sounding familiar so far. So good stuff. Good. So after we kind of figure out the order that we're going to place all the items, the, the, the current randomizer literally will place the pendants and crystals first. It says, I know what I need to do. I need to put these in places because it affects all the logic of the rest of the world. It'll affect whether you can get um, the big red bomb. It'll affect whether you can get into Ganon's tower um, or, you know, kind of things like that, Where whether you get Sahashala's items. So those get placed first and foremost. Um, then... It takes the kind of next group of items, and I'm pretty sure it shuffles them. And I should uh, I should double check that it's. I'm pretty sure each one of these groups is shuffle up against into the filler, <laughs> which uh, I remember something last time about like a reverse shuffle. Yeah, and you guys totally. Yeah, that was a uh, that was one of my on my notepad. There. <laughs> we totally botched it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. Um, after after it has its items, it, it then sends to the uh, the the item placer, which in uh, the randomizer has we there used to be like five or six options for a filler. We uh, squished it down onto the one that we use for everything now, which is the random assumed filler, meaning um, it's placing things randomly, but it's assuming you have the items you haven't placed yet, meaning it's assuming they will be available when you need them later. Uh, it's it's a brilliant algorithm that was come up uh, with uh, from LL Cool Dave, who has I haven't seen him around the community in a while, but it's one of those if if like uh, Tesla and um, who is the other uh, guy working with Edison him? Edison Tesla and Edison right two people working at it and and one of them just has the brilliant idea that's exactly everything that you want and the other one's just like ah why didn't I think of that sooner. It was, it's, it's one of those like brilliant algorithms yeah. that it's almost, it's impossible to prove that it isn't unbiased or yet, yeah. or no one has, has a proof yet that it is unbiased, which is wonderful. Um, yeah. Right. So what it does is it's going to go through the, after, after you placed your crystals, which happens outside of the filler, it, it has its own special algorithm to deal with the fact that um, the randomizer has to be able to work not only from a fresh slate, like nothing placed at all, but also mm -hmm. it needs to be able to work like if you play with the customizer and put, you know, put a red crystal into Turtle Rock. I mean, normally one, you know. So it has to like kind of be able to deal with that. So the the prize filling is, is much more complex in, in the current version where it's like, okay, I see that this is here. I can place this here. And it like figures out where to put the prizes. Then we go to the, the random assume filler with we, we go ahead and give it all the items but grouped up as as you uh kind of mentioned in from your memory of they're mm -hmm. the dungeon items the required items the nice and the trash or extra as it's written in the filler um and it takes from that point it takes a list of every available location that you can put an item and it says all right 
Now that I have this list of, of locations, I'm going to shuffle that up once. And we're going to try and place the first item that you gave me, the dungeon item, in the first place in that list that logically makes sense. So if the first item in that list was the Master Sword Pedestal, and you're trying to place a Turtle Rock small key, it's going to be like, no, I can't place this here unless it's Wild Keys or, or, or Key Sanity or some you know derivation thereof. So it's going to keep going down this list. It might pass through locations in Pod, locations in Ice Palace, until it finds the first location that it can actually put something in Turtle Rock that you know isn't, say, behind a key door. It's like, oh, I can place a key here. So it places the key there, and then it grabs the next item, goes back to the beginning of the list, and starts trying to place item, that next item. Say this time it's a uh, big key to Ganon's Tower. So it's going to keep going through that list, no matter what's in it. Um, eventually, it'll get to a Ganon's Tower location, and it'll put the big key in there. Hmm. So it's so. Oh, good. Oh, I was just going to try to try to wrap my brain around this. Clarify. So the the restrictions on each item stay the same, but when the settings of the world change, it kind of changes the pool of where that could be. Y- yes, the the restrictions can change based off of the world um and the the pool would then also change so if if you put in like that small keys um can be shuffled outside of their dungeon they actually shift from the dungeon filling pool into the required item filling pool mm. that um, makes sense. yeah it's so that you get better randomization with where they end up because if they were in the dungeon filling pool, then you wouldn't get any really interesting situation where like the hookshot leads to a small key in a, in a particular way. It, it yeah. ends up kind of ruining some of the randomization. I gotcha. Um, so then after it's gone through and placed all of the, the dungeon items, it then, and this is the part that's, that's amusing, it takes the, the list that you had, the one that in, in our example had like Master Sword Pedestal in that first slot, and flips it around. And there's a reason behind this, and I'll explain it in just a second. But then it starts filling in items from the end of the list as if you would, or, you know, like, I guess, reverse order. The yeah. reason behind this is when you're placing a dungeon item, say, a, uh, or I think it maybe flips it at, at the point of maps and compasses. There, there's a point, I, specifically in the code, that it does this flip. The, the point is, when you, when you, Try to put like a um, a big key in in a dungeon, say Ganon's Tower. There's four places upstairs that it can never place that big key, and there's the big chest that it can never place that big key. And if this is ordered in such a way that, say, the first five locations are upstairs and the big chest, well, when it tries to place the big key, all of those locations get looked at before the big key gets placed. And then the next item would be, you know, say, a uh, small key, so on and so forth. When you go to place the map, it's going to end up being in one of those five locations, right? Because they got skipped over and over again. Well, if you flip that order around, where it's now the big chest and then the four locations upstairs, that's still, that's a different order, but it's going to achieve the same result, because of the fact that like the big key can't go into any of those. So they get looked at twice as many times or, or so on and so forth. So if you end up flipping the list, you reduce the chances that maps and compasses end up in the same locations all the time. 
Gotcha. Okay, so this is a way to make it so that the randomizing seems more random than if you were to just do it the other way because you'd get more duplicate randomizations the other way or it'd be more likely that that would happen right because of where maps and compasses can't go or where big keys can't go um certain locations end up if if you keep it the one way they end up on basically looked at more than once so if you were to like take skull woods not skull uh we'll go swamp palace and you did a million generations and just looked at what ended up in the big chest without flipping the list you'd find that a map and a compass end up in that chest way more often than than anything else that ends up in there in the dungeon by flipping the list you kind of quote unquote put your thumb on the scale to even it back out so now it has an even chance of, of having anything in it versus always kind of being a little heavier on the map and compass. Very cool. Yeah, I I feel like I'm I'm just like barely grasping it. <laughs> like I, I can appreciate this, but if I stop concentrating on it for like 30 seconds, it'll be it'll be gone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's all like, fascinating. I, I love hearing about this kind of stuff. Um, is there are there more steps in the process, or does this pretty much give us our, our randomized game at this point? Uh, th- there's like important steps to how it's picking where to place items, like the logic of of what is like why is this location able to have the item, and why isn't this other location? But beyond that, uh, that that's the the larger portion. Is it's like got an item. Where can I put it? All right, I'm going to put it in the first place um, in this list. Eventually, I'm going to flip the list and start putting, you know, the rest of the items in my list. There's a final step called the fast fill. Um, this literally says, I'm going to take all these items and I'm going to put them in locations. I literally don't care about the logic. Just put them there. Um, it's it's th- That's literally the most random you can be is just... Take these items, put them in locations, because you don't care. They don't affect the ability to beat the game anymore. The no logic. (laughs) Basically, it's like when you're placing heart pieces or whatever, and this is why you can kind of sometimes end up with, like, seven heart containers in Ganon's Tower, and you've been playing the whole game going, where have these been the whole time? It's because they're they're getting fast-filled. It's like, I just don't care. Just put them somewhere. I do recall a, a caveat for Ganon's Tower that would cause it to get more nice items than other locations. Yeah. Or less nice items, maybe. Less it was. nice items. Yeah, specifically, yeah. what we do is after we place the big key and the small keys in Ganon's Tower, we take a look at the number of crystals required to open Ganon's Tower, and then we use that to scale back the number of items that can be placed in Ganon's Tower by throwing junk in Ganon's Tower. So that not every game ends up with, you know, hearts and whatever. And this actually is the same problem with the whole reversing the list thing, where Ganon's Tower requires you to beat every dungeon, or not every, to beat all of the crystal dungeons to be able to get in there. So there's seven dungeons that are going to block your ability to get there. So required items are going to keep skipping past those locations. Well, what's the next thing that gets filled after required items? The nice items. Well, if the nice items are like heart containers, the blue mail, and the red mail, they're definitely going into GT. Yeah. And, and the idea here is, all right, well, if it's seven out of seven, we want to set, we still want nice items to go in there, but we want to, again, put our thumb on the scale because it's no fun if Ganon's Tower just always has these things. Um, so we kind of go, all right, somewhere between, I think it's 10 and 15 items, but then scaled for the number of crystals that are required to go in. 
um, is how much we're going to throw junk in there to kind of even it out. All right, so you mentioned that there, we've kind of talked about filling out all the items, but there are other constraints that come along with how, how that's filled out. Do you want to speak to some of those? Sure. Um, we, we've kind of been touching a little bit on like uh, the wild keys or the uh, wild maps and wild compasses. This is key sanity or, or the different variations um, of those. What they end up doing is they, uh, when, you, when you set that flag, it changes the logic in such a way that, like, if you say that maps and compasses are now allowed to be outside of the dungeon, it then says, all right, well, I'm going to logically enforce that you can't beat the dungeon unless you have the map and the compass. Um, mm. Which, when maps and compasses are in the dungeon, logically you have access to them when you're in the dungeon but now it's you can start to glean logically hey i got the map and i got the compass to palace of darkness the game thinks i can like if i go in there and i have the rest of the keys or whatever the game thinks i can beat the dungeon um this is part of the reading the logic <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, yeah dante uh, turned us on to that that info a few episodes ago when we talked about key sanity oh okay wonderful well i should have listened I, I listened to it it was a wonderful episode you guys are I, I, actually, I think I caught part of that, and maybe that's why. Probably some wrong stuff in there, for sure, but um, reading code is not my forte, for sure. <laughs> that's right. This this code, um, and this is the reason I've been rewriting it, is is just, at some points, a nightmare to stare at, where there's, like, uh, an if block that has, like, 40 conditions in it, and you just stare at it, and you stare at it, and, like, 20 sets of parentheses, and you're like, I knew what this meant when I wrote it. I have no yeah. idea what it does now. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about writing it, and I'm just like barely hanging on to it. So I totally, <laughs> under- <laughs> I totally understand. I feel like I'm I'm doing a bad job hosting because I'm just like trying so hard to understand everything. But you're Tim, saying. every feature that you come up with on this podcast, you say it, it's easy, right? Like it's easy to do that. Like this is <laughs> this is what I always mean. It's like you know, good luck because you know we're lucky we have what we do just because of how complex it is. Yeah, this is what I get for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and so there are other constraints. Like if you, we added a uh, basic logic, or like uh, basic and advanced in V31, I believe, maybe 30, mm-hmm. probably 31. You, you guys might know this better than me um, in that regard. <laughs> but when we added that, we, we set new constraints into the game that said, hey, uh, in basic, the harder dungeons defined by I think being dark world and greater than uh, dungeon number two or three or something like that. In other words, I think it's it's uh, thieves town and up start to have requirements of you need to have at least seven heart containers available to you at this point, and you need to at least have a weapon that is not just you know the plastic sword to go in here with, so yeah. that we can kind of say. Yeah, so now there's new constraints on here. Those things get shifted into the required item pool, and so so it affects the filler portion, like, hey, this is what's required. But it also affects the logic of, hey, these locations aren't available until we're sure you have access to X number of hearts. So how do these... um... Like, how does that get decided? Like, with Thieves Town, making sure that you have access to seven hearts, what is the... How do you strike that balance of, like changing the randomizer so that it allows you to get more hearts and now you're like there's hearts everywhere and there's too many of them versus like oh we didn't give you quite enough 
Like, how, how do you strike that balance? Okay, so this is the, the magic of the random assume filler. Um, so as it's placing an item, it, it says, uh, so like, say it wants to place the hookshot, and it's looking at Thieves Town. And it would first go, all right, obviously, if I'm placing the hookshot, you don't have access to the hookshot because it's not anywhere in the world yet, right? So it's it's going to throw away um, the, the hookshot cave. All those locations are going to be out, except for maybe the bottom right chest, which you can get to with the boots. Mm-hmm. And we'll say the boots are in Ganon's Tower. We'll just put them far away, right? Um, far, far away. Put put them in the big chest in Ganon's Tower. Yeah, well, <laughs> just promise you'll bring them back when we're done. Yeah, you, you'll get them back later. It's okay, it's okay. more to kind of. It would also say that hey, if the boots aren't accessible, you you can't do anything inside of Misery Mire either, right? Right. It's no way, mm-hmm. no end. It's it's just to help remove more of the world. Um, so it's placing the hook shot, and it goes, all right. Well, let me take a look at all the locations that are left, based off of all the items that it finds in the world and all the items that it hasn't placed yet. So if it hasn't placed the hammer yet. It's going to be like, well, okay, I'm sure when you need the hammer, you'll have the hammer. And at the time that we're placing the hammer, wherever is left that we can place it, we will put it in such a way that you're able to get to where you're going now. This gets really confusing. Trust me, it's, 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 (laughs) so (laughs) when it's placing that hookshot, it goes, all right, in Thieves Town, I'm going to put this in Thieves Town. How many hearts do I have if, if, if the rule on Thieves Town is hearts, it, I, I don't remember if Thieves Town was at the level, but let's say it was. Um, I'm sure Ice Palace was, but let, we'll just go with Thieves Town. So it's it's uh, it's going, all right, I want to place this in Thieves Town. How many hearts do I have available to me? It's going to go around the world and collect all the hearts. Um, generally speaking, if we're placing the hookshot, probably it hasn't placed any hearts yet. And it's going to go, oh, well, I haven't placed any hearts. How many hearts do I have left to place? And it goes and it says, oh, I have all the hearts left to place. So we're going to assume by the time you get to Thieves Town that you got enough hearts. And it places the hookshot in Thieves Town. Then carry on a few more item placements or whatever, and it starts placing the hearts into the game. And it goes, hey, I need to place this heart somewhere. And when it, it goes, okay, well, if I place it anywhere that's behind the hookshot... I won't be able to get into Thieves Town to get the hookshot, so I can't place it behind anywhere that the hookshot requires it. Because I need to assure that there's an X amount of hearts to get to the hookshot first before I can go and and get it to be able to then get, you know, to get into Thieves Town and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, it helps um, when you take all of the functions of the randomizer and make them people, like hey, I want to take this item and put it here. And then the other person's like, oh, well, you can't put this here yet. That makes way more sense to me. Uh, that That is a very good way to, to teach this uh, in my eyes. On on that assumption, <laughs> uh, I guess this is kind of going to be really, uh, this is really a stretch. So don't don't take me too serious when I ask this. But I guess based on if you've done, like let's say you get to Thieves Town, right? Uh, and mm-hmm. the hookshot, you know, the hookshot is there. Uh, you don't know mm-hmm. it until you find it. And let's say you've like basically full cleared the light world with what you have. Um, mm-hmm. Is there anything that you could desperately like reach for as far as reading logic when you get the hook at that point uh, based on how many hearts you might have? Or is that is that really not so much something you can really like there's not even a like a, a slim chance you could like glean any info off of that? Well, before we carry on saying these things, I'm going to go check the requirements for, for Thieves Town because I don't want people to take um, 
this as like gospel on Thieves Town requiring yeah. hearts. Well, when, when, um, I, when, I, when I proposed that, it was more like kind of a, a very far out there thing. Like no one ever is going to be like, well, I got the hook shot here and I've only got four hearts. So clearly, uh, you know, that means that there's a billion hearts in Light World and I never need to check anything. But, you know, like if you really want to be really gambly, I guess you could maybe assume that. But I feel like that would be a terrible assumption to make because you really don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it's um I guess this is the the consideration you have to have. There's 216 location item locations in the game. Um the likelihood because any one single item doesn't really lock out as much as people want to believe it does. It's yeah. combinations that really lock out areas, but any single item I mean, the ice rod locks out Trinex. The hammer locks out, like, hammer pegs and turtle rock. And, I mean, like, there's some that are, that are like, you know, 10, 20 items here and there. But for the most part, no single item really locks out a large portion. Okay. The moon pearl locks out half of the game. A little over <laughs> half. But yeah. that's something that you always find early enough that it kind of doesn't really give you any information, per se. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I would personally. Some person may feel that inclined that, hey, oh, I found this in here. And yes, and this is only true in basic related to hearts. Uh, that ah, okay. the number the number of hearts required in in basic, and most people play advanced anyway, I believe, but you know, I, I would have to look at the stats. That you um for that dungeon, you're either have a sword or it's swordless, you have at least seven hearts, and you have a bottle is is the um the the like helpful requirements in basic and it's like i mean yeah you probably found a bottle already there are four of them in the world you know kind of like there's all of these things where it's these items are so like seven health that could mean that it thought you had access to six heart containers and four pieces of heart so it's even it's even like harder to determine did it think that I was going to get like 20 pieces of heart and two heart containers or, or whatever? Yeah. This sort of reminds me of like, um, like counting cards in blackjack. I don't know if they used, if they do this anymore, but they used to like, they would use six decks and they would shuffle them all up. Um, and the idea would be you're keeping track of everything that you've seen everyone have so that you know what is still in the deck and available to be gotten. So you're not necessarily betting on like, oh, all of the eights have been done, so I know that card's an, you know not an eight, but more just like I know there are a certain percentage of face cards that have yet to show up. So if I assume that this is a face card, I have a pretty good shot at being right. Uh, just based on the sheer numbers, just the probability of it. Um, that's I, to me that kind of struck as like what Dante was getting at is like if I knew that I hadn't seen a lot of these hearts, there is a good chance a lot of them were hearts. Not for sure, but like if I had to make a coin flip of a decision, that could that could steer me one way or the other. But then you said that this is basic and not advanced, and I think he instantly was just like, oh, yeah, I can't oh, use said, this anymore. I was, I I was really <laughs> trying to potentially gigabrain in races yeah. like at some point or another. I'll, uh, <laughs> if you want the big brain, the answer is the way this works, the, the general average um, of where items end up is when it's placing the item, it is an absolutely even chance that it's anywhere it can be placed that won't break the game gotcha so 
that's that's gonna hurt and and we remember ice rod and turtle rock the most because it's the most you know like that's stupid because you know when when you're trying to go through turtle rock and you're looking and it, you know searching the whole game but it like the likelihood of, of ice rod anywhere in the game at any point in time is anywhere except for on trinex it's true with even yep indeed um all right so we've probably got another maybe five ten minutes we can continue talking about our, our feature here um is there anything else uh, before we move on to PRNG versus CSPRNG, because I definitely do want to talk about that, but is there anything before that that you wanted to hit on? Um, nothing. I mean, like, there, I could talk about this for weeks on end, I'm sure. I'm sure I have, <laughs> well, sure. but I mean, if, if there's any particular questions that you'd like to know, or and, and I will try to keep it as brief and amazing as possible. Uh, we did have one question uh, from one of our Twitch subscribers, friend of the show, Arusta, asked, what is one little quirk of the logic that most people don't know slash recognize? We've heard a few of these before, but is there anything that comes to your mind um, in this moment? A quirk of the logic. Um, well, the logic technically understands that a small key can be in the dark maze if they hammer or bows are in it with it like in some way it will never place a small key in the dark maze using this filling algorithm and logic hmm. this i think we touched on this a little bit in our keys episode but yeah i, if I mentioned can elaborate that would be yeah i mentioned it was it, like a pipe dream to potentially get a key back in there but it, it would be really complicated with the logic we can let vtorp talk about it yeah, no, it's it's a uh, so part of it is uh, very simply the the order we fill things in and the inability to make negative assertions about things. the The way we fill, we always fill keys first, so we're always assuming that we have the hammer and the bow and the lamp when we're pl- placing keys. So it's always going to think that you can go downstairs and pod and unlock the door to the um, boss. That's why it won't place a key in the dark maze. The problem, like, like the, the why beyond that is it's impossible to say something inside of the dark maze leads to the hammer and nothing else in the game possibly can because of the multiple paths to wherever the hammer maybe got placed. So like say the hookshot is in the dark maze and the hammer is in the hookshot cave, then theoretically, yes, you could logically put a small key in the dark maze. But the way that the algorithm is, is like picking apart and trying to figure out what's going on, it can't say for sure that there isn't some other way to get that uh, hammer in Hookshot Cave. It's 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 really difficult to do a negative assertion of like to say, and you can never get this item until you do this. Yeah, I can see how that's difficult to to code in like that. Yeah, so we we lose a few small edge cases that would be nice. Um, but we gain a much faster fill algorithm. It seems like a reasonable trade-off to me. Yeah. All right, so uh, you made a note here for us to talk about PRNG versus CSPRNG. So first, let's start by uh, defining both of these acronyms. Sure. PRNG is pseudo-random number generate. Generator generated. Um... And CSPRNG is cryptographically secure pseudo 
random number generator. Uh, the idea here is, in in programming, mathematics, whatever, um, RNG, you really want it to be random, but you don't actually want to waste the time to come up with really random numbers, because it is a huge waste of time. And you can't really prove that a number is random per se, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you prove that I, after I said the number four a million times in a row that that wasn't actually random? Because the next one mm-hmm. might be five. Um, but the idea is PRNG is generally based on an algorithm. Uh, in in uh, the historical case of the randomizer, the Mercian twister algorithm, it takes a seed, which is where we get the whole concept of a seeded game. And a lot of people call games seeds, even though they're just games. I won't go too deep into that one. Um <laughs> But, yeah, you use a seed, and then that seed is then pushed, put into a, a, a I'll call it a black box, but the Mercy and Twister is a well-defined algorithm, and it spits out a number. And then you essentially say, all right, thanks for this number, what's the next number? And it just keeps giving you a new number, but it'll always give you the same sequence of numbers. So that, that's PRNG. From, a, from any given seed, it will always give you the exact same sequence. CSPRNG is what we use in the randomizer for pretty much everything. I think there are a few places that we might still use PRNG where they don't matter, um, like selecting your heart color or um, selecting text that shows up on the screen at the, on, in the Ganon fight um, might still be using regular old PRNG. But CSPRNG means no matter what you do, you should not be able to guess the next number that's going to come out of this. Mm. P- PRNG says you can absolutely know the next number that's going to come out if you know the seed. CS PRNG says even if you knew the last five numbers, there's no way you can guess the next number that's going to come out. Hmm. So a PRNG is like, you know, we've we've used it before. Basically, like uh, it's predetermined in that it can be replicated or predicted. Um, and it's what allows like something like the blind fight to happen. It's on a script. It does the same thing every time, so you can counteract that. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas CSPRNG is a much more pure kind of randomizer um, that cannot be predicted nearly as, as well. Yeah, it's a, the actual definition says it's a certain level of unpredict- unpredictability that allows something to be considered CSPRNG, even though it's technically still PRNG, but it's quote-unquote cryptographically secure, meaning safe enough to use for cryptography, which is generally a pretty high bar. Yeah, I would have to imagine so. Um, that's really interesting. It's uh, the Like, the more you think about it, it really is kind of a philosophical thing where it's like, oh, yeah, random. Like, ask a computer to give you a random number. It's like, well, how, what, how do you know? Like, how is it random? How does it decide what randomness is? And that's kind of what this speaks to, basically, is that, that question. And, and no, it, the answer is no, it can never be truly random, but we can get it to a point where, as humans, we could never possibly try to predict it, or we have no way of reliably predicting it. Yeah, and as humans, we're terribly bad and see patterns where there are none, Um and we see patterns where there are some. So so I'm not going to throw that out, but we will we will just latch on to anything that's patterned because it's good for our traditional survival instincts. Mm-hmm. Walking in a forest, Bob disappears. Walking in a forest, Joe disappears. I'm not going to walk in that forest anymore. I'm noticing a pattern. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but then we also have problems where, oh, I saw a hammer on, on the pedestal. 
and then I saw it in somebody else's game on on Twitch, and now I, I have a sneaking suspicion that Hammer ends up on the pedestal a lot. It's like, well, you saw it twice out of the two thousand games that were generated that day. It's not yeah. actually that, you know. A prime example of that is where uh, the kind of the the joke or meme of the Speed Gaming Live twenty nineteen event was the Hammer was in Ice Palace because like some of the bigger matches had it in there and then Sinek actually like dove back into that. I think it was just a few weeks ago, uh, you know, back from the 2019 stuff. And apparently it was only an ice palace three times for that whole tournament. (laughs) But we, you know, that was kind of the pattern we picked up on. Uh, It happened in finals. That was, you know, with it being in a very prevalent game, I think that's also something that will, you know, stick out in people's minds and they saw that pattern. So yeah, it's, you know, kind of, kind of like a, a fun truth. Once you you find out the stats, yeah. So uh, we're at about the end of our time to have our discussion about uh, examining the randomizer. Uh, so, as a final kind of note on this conversation, Vtorp, what do you think is in? Uh, what do you think the future holds for randomizer? Do you have any specific goals for it? Do you see it going any certain ways? Uh, talk to us about the future. Uh, absolutely. Um, the future, I definitely see more festives. I love those. I love having those around for a few weeks at a time. They're a great way to, to play with ROM hacks without actually playing with ROM hacks. Okay, um, yeah, absolutely. I, I see going graph-based as, as a huge ability to allow us to try more fun things. It, it'll get more expressive. Um, expanding the API to allow even more customization from people who want to utilize that, who want to like create a tournament that is like boots on the pedestal every single game for people that just want to be mean, but things <laughs> like that, or, <laughs> but the, the idea of like, just kind of giving more robustness. I really want to get a constraint randomizer, which Partially is is the enemizer like being a bit more logical about like oh if if you're a dead rock you need powder to get through here but also things like oh you require a hammer to get across the uh, bridge by the um, by the pyramid well what if we replace that with I don't know just get rid of the bridge altogether and put to uh, um, whatever actually just get rid of the bridge so that you have to swim around like you just can't go there or replace the hammer pegs with rocks so now you need the gloves to get across and you just won't know that until you get there hmm wow interesting but that might be that's, way off <laughs> <laughs> well that that sounds really interesting i part of uh what i really like about alttpr i mean we randomize literally everything about it and that's really wonderful, but it's almost like it's the marriage of randomization to uh, stability that is really enjoyable, you know, knowing where, where certain locations are uh, and having that not change so that you at least have a little bit of grounding and finding where all these crazy items are. Um, or at least for me, that's, that's a big part of it, but I absolutely know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there are people who would love to walk into a room and see that there are just suddenly some hammer pegs stopping them from getting across and then go deal with that and try to get a super fast time doing that. I know those people exist. So I'm excited for them to know that something like that is maybe possibly something that, that they could have to look forward to. Absolutely. It's, I mean, it's, it's all about like, I'm I'm never going to take away the, the most basic randomizer, the most, most basic item randomizer is 
traditionally something I'm always going to love, which everything is static map, but the items are in new places. Go figure out how to get around. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. All right. Well, we have uh, some questions for you, some questions for all of us to consider. Um, so we'd love to go over those and we'd love for you to join us. Absolutely. All right. Okay. So uh, we have a question uh, in from John Snoo, John Snoo, uh, recent Twitch subscriber um, and uh, submitted a question for Mr. VTorp specifically, and uh, John Snoo asks, in your opinion, when do you think a player should really start trying to understand or develop more game sense based on the logic in and of itself? Should it be as soon as possible or when a player starts to get into and understand out of logic slash sequence breaking? What do you uh, say? Oh, okay. So if it were just straight up, like, I, I think you're, you're first and the best thing you're ever going to do is just get better at the game i don't want to say necessarily run nmg but watch nmg and see what nmg runners do the nmg is the no major glitches just straight speed run they have quick kills for every boss um just getting consistent at those kinds of things learning how to move through the game makes knowing the logic a little less important because you can or a good example andy who's a wonderful player could finish an entire dungeon extra over somebody who just doesn't have the skill set so that the logic becomes less important. Not that it doesn't matter, but it becomes less important because he has the ability to just complete one entire extra dungeon over another player in in the movement. Beyond that, once, once you get really good with that, the logic is generally, I hate to say it, go to where the most is. (laughs) Make the density play. Is what like yeah. that's the, that's the mm-hmm. safe play that makes the most sense most times. Most yeah. times, it's not always the right case. Like if it's you're right, if you're like twenty seconds away from one item and a minute away from five items, you, you, you go the twenty seconds for the one item because you don't want to have to come back later. But in in the reality is you know it's it's all trade offs. In so far as sequence breaking and logic, um, I think those just like try it. And, and try to keep track of it like in a personal game where like don't worry about it so much in a race setting because that adds extra pressure but like okay I'm fake flippering anything I find now means that I needed the flippers to get this and then if you find something just kind of keep in your head okay I'm out of logic until I find the thing that led to the flippers or whatever and and it's like build it up as you go because then eventually it starts becoming second nature when you like okay i went through this dark room i know whatever i got here i needed the lamp for logically or in some cases in advanced logic i needed the fire rod um but you can then start building that i don't know if i would like do any like sit down and try and figure out what to think about each time i think it's just add a layer each time just like learning uh, certain glitches like don't try to sit down and learn the Ice Palace bomb jump, the uh, door extension glitch, and the fake flippers, and and a few other things all at once, and all the dark rooms all at once. Just be like, oh, you know what? Today I'm going to try this one glitch, and I'm going to work on it till I get it, and then I'm going to add it to my lexicon of things I can do. Yeah. I saw someone in our Discord not too long ago, and I forget who it was, so I apologize if you're listening to this, and you're like, that was me. Um, but I think one really good way to do it is to just run a seed and then come up against something you can't do and make a note of that. And then after that seed, go learn how to do that one thing. Just that one thing. Make sure you commit it to memory and then 
when you run your next seed, do the same thing. When you're like, ah, you know, if I knew Pod Dark Maze, I, it would really save me a lot of time right here. Oh, well, write that down after the seed or maybe the next day. Learn Pod Dark Maze. Move on. Do the next one. I think that's a really good way to, to handle, like, how to learn new tricks. Yeah. And, you know, prioritizing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Because that's when, like, it hurts the most, too, when you don't know it. It's like, ah, if I would have known that, it would have really helped. You know, like, mm-hmm. while it's still fresh, open up the practice hack and, and figure it out. Absolutely. Excellent. And we had a couple of questions from Sinak. I don't know if you actually want to address these uh, or if you just wanted to troll us by sending in some <laughs> inside questions or whatever. Um, so first he asked about V31.0.42. He wants to know when that's coming out. I have no idea what that means. Well, I mean, 42 is the, the answer to everything, right? So this this must be the answer to all V31, I guess. Um, when's it coming out? Uh, we can make it come out tomorrow if you want me to increment the number for that, Sinek. But I, I, don't, I don't think we're <laughs> going to do that. Sinek <laughs> uh, also asked, if an edge is deleted in the woods, does it make a sound? Yes, it makes the sound of me weeping as I worry about how keys work. This this is um, uh, the so in graph theory you talk about there there are many different like names for things, but usually it's vertices and edges or nodes and edges. And um, in how we've modeled this, an edge is it can be modeled by an item. So you have a hookshot edge and. Maybe when I make the logic wrong, I have to go through and go, all right, I need to delete this edge. And yes, it, it is a sad weeping sound. Hmm. How did I get the name Edge? Uh, it has to do with um, like going way back into mathematics. And uh, I don't I don't know. <laughs> I, <laughs> I remember when I first started, I'm like, that is a really weird thing to call it. And I, um, I would have thought like path or something would be nice but there actually is a term path that is like when you go between two nodes on a graph a path is the edges you take to get there i gotcha it's okay if you don't know there's a lot of things i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i uh relate i want to take um my, my opportunity of being a host to flex and put a question in i didn't submit um So I know with, I think it was V31 when it came out. So that was when, I think that was when we got our option of like random crystal goal or, you know, random crystal for Ganon and GT. Is is that right? Yeah, that sounds correct. Okay. So I I guess my question with that, um, you know, I remember back in the 2019 tournament, uh, one of the options we could pick was 6-6. And one thing that we saw a lot, like when that was used, what would happen a lot is the seventh dungeon would be completely locked out by GT. Like the item needing to get in was in GT, similar to like how pendants may or may not, uh, you know, happen. Is there, has there ever been like, since, since that came out, has there ever actually been any, I guess, thought or consideration to uh, make it where the six, six or the five, five modes were set in the same seven, seven logic where everything's available before GT. So you have more, I guess, options for the players um, or is it kind of just, or, or is that, has, has that never been on the table? Uh, honestly, never. I mean, I, I'm sure we maybe kind of talked about it and the, the usual guiding light has always been, we don't want to try and put our thumb too much on, unless we feel that it absolutely is necessary. Like we don't want to ever be heavy handed. So if it can do something, we want to let it do that. 
So gotcha. if, if an item can go into GT, because I think part of the novelty of it was that an item could end up in GT. That was kind of the, the change, the uniqueness of it. But that said, I don't see necessarily anything wrong with potentially having a thumb in the different direction that says, yeah, these values can be lower, but we're going to still treat the logical access to Ganon's Tower as seven crystals, meaning you will get more options. You will get faced with, do I go into Turtle Rock with everything but the Ice Rod, or do I go into Ice Palace with everything but the Hammer? Like, things like that, where it's like, do I make that? Because if I can finish the dungeon quickly, it would be awesome, but if I can't, uh, I, I see nothing wrong with that. I just, it might take a little bit to, to get there right. and to get everyone who's interested in that. I guess like the full board. confession with that is it's very similar to, you know, how we you, we were just talking a little while ago about picking up on patterns, um, you know, because I brought up that 2019 tournament and how when, we, when people use that, they kind of, you know, the pattern that everyone perceived was uh, that, you know, well, it, it locked you completely out of that dungeon, so there was no variance. You had six dungeons and only six dungeons to beat. Um, uh, obviously, it's definitely not always the case, but yeah, I, I just figured I'd ask because I thought that would be kind of a, a neat way of looking at that mode. No, and that, that actually kind of makes sense in, in a light way that I don't think we had much of a consideration initially when we were designing the reduced crystals for the logic to, to think about just like we flip the list for so that we don't get maps and compasses in, in certain locations, there's a high likelihood that GT is going to get looked at a few times for major items. And if we're saying one of the dungeons doesn't matter, I could see that there that might actually end up being a little in that direction. Um, although, in theory, the junk fill should fill GT out pretty nicely. So, trade-offs. <laughs> right. Yeah, it makes sense. All right, so uh, we did have a couple more quick questions. These are just for the entire group. We can take turns answering um, if we if we want to. You don't have to answer this first one if you don't want to. It's a little <laughs> crass, uh, but it is a follow-up to the game of FMK that we played last time. Vitorp, if you need me to describe what FMK stands for, let me know, and I will, I will chat it to you. Yes, please chat it to me. All right. <laughs> Oh boy, uh, here so we go. The three. Oh, unless I think I'm realizing what this is. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. All right, we're all on the same page. So uh, we have uh, Mocha Jones has sent in three uh, uh, Legend of Zelda personalities for us to consider Zelda, Midna, and Fi. Let me ask this question right off the bat Is anyone not killing Fi? Which one is Fi? I actually don't exactly. know. Exactly. That's the She's Skyward the Sword. Sword, the one Sword, Skyward Sword. That keeps telling you that you found a blue ruby that you found 47 times before. <laughs> oh, this is Skyward. I never played Skyward Sword, so yeah, kill it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Um, and, you know, for uh, a second, if, if we yeah. didn't have a kill option, I was thinking for a second that maybe I would marry her because... Her um, constant, like, hand-holding and being so over-the-top, like, supportive of you might make for a very pleasant wife. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Breakfast every that. day. But, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm going to M. Zelda and F. Midna. All right, fair enough. So I, I, I have a, a small um, uh, confession to make. I am currently 
right now for the first time playing through Twilight Princess. Oh, nice. It's All right. delightful and amazing, but if it came down to it right now, it seems that Midna is is super powerful, so I probably am that and and I guess F Zelda only because by process of elimination. Yeah, well, not because like, you want to. Yeah, I mean, it's more like, like I would want someone who could, like, seems to have some serious power. I don't I don't know how the game ends. Don't tell me, please. But, you yeah, know, no, like... No spoilers. That that feels like, you know, like, who would you want to be your wife? If you would, could choose between, like, a super powerful being to be your wife or some person who keeps getting kidnapped all the time, like, seriously? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would, no, uh, I would F Zelda and M Midna, probably. There's stuff I can't talk about now since you said no spoilers for Twilight Princess, so I'm not going to do that. I apologize. I apologize. No, that's fine. That's, that's, fine. that's fine. It's good you went first, yeah. I, I... Uh, so I'm, I'm just not going to mention that, but I think, you know, just for Zelda, if she keeps getting kidnapped or sent through time or whatever the heck's happening with her all the time in every game. I think I'd rather not be bothered, you know, having to free my wife every six months or whatever. Oh, I think I know what Herf was going to say, because I almost just said the I, same thing. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you guys. I flipped a coin on Zelda and Midna, to be honest. Um, mm. So uh, thanks, Google, for, for flipping a coin when you type that in. So I guess I'm, I'm going to marry Midna as well. Random number generators. What's up? And uh, we're, we're effing Zelda. Uh, I mean, I guess I don't yeah. want to be married into royalty either. Uh, that wouldn't be too fun. Oh yeah, a lot it's of attention, be a lot of responsibility. Yeah, yeah and that's a good point. you know, and if if she does get kidnapped, like Herf says, then everybody's gonna look at you like, how could you let this happen? So uh, mm. yeah, exactly. You don't want that. Um, well, thank you, Mocha Jones Ten, for the incredible <laughs> question. Uh, also, wanted to shout out Mocha has a run of ALTTPR on Games Done Quick's channel as part of their Juneteenth marathon. Um, as of the time of this recording, it has not happened yet. It's a schedule for 9, 10 Eastern on Sunday the 20th, um, but should be out by the time this episode comes out, so we'll try to get a VOD and put that in the description. But uh, definitely check that out. Um, we love to see you know support of ALTTPR at you know, any kind of conventions, and, and this is a, a really awesome one. Or not convention, I guess marathon would be a better way to put it. But very cool to see the representation. Uh, and then we have a final question this time from Lucien Greeth, uh, for all of us to go around and answer. Said, hey guys, I asked this in the Discord and had a small conversation about it, but wanted to ask you directly. Do you have any ALTTP slash randomizer confessions? Things you thought or assumed about the game at a young age that were so off base or wrong that you can't help but laugh about it now. When I was a kid, I thought Trinex's heads could only be damaged by the fire and ice rod and always had a full supply of potions with me for that fight. Um, Dante, you've mentioned that you had the issue that God. a lot of people have with Helmosaur King, not knowing that the hammer is effective. I I can um, and using bombs. I cannot stress enough how many times I died to Helma as a kid from either <laughs> blowing myself up, him running into me because I was trying to blow him up, and never even trying to use the hammer. I think I was a teenager, or maybe a young adult before someone was like. You just use the hammer, you idiot. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and I was I was talking to somebody about this recently and um like the same scenario. And uh the the logic that I was given when the person told me about the hammer was you use the item you got from the the dungeon, but 
their argument, like when I was talking like a couple days ago to this person, they also kind of threw back like, well, that's not good logic because you definitely don't use the gloves to kill Lanmo, and you, I, I want to see how you use the Moon Pearl to kill Moldorm. Uh, so, you know, that's, I guess, that's fair. one way of looking at it for sure. But, uh, but yeah, like that, that kind of made me laugh when I thought about Moon, Moon Pearl killing Moldorm in some way. I'd love, <laughs> I'd love to see that in a future iteration. Uh, not really, yeah. not really, but yeah, anyway, <laughs> that was, that was mine. I have a, a terrible, terrible ALTTPR confession. It's it's honestly embarrassing. I kind of went back and forth on whether I should even say it or not. But I just learned, maybe like a month ago, uh, when you call time at the end of a seed. I always thought it was after the screen goes completely black. It turns out it's the first pixel, the first time there's any pixelation on the screen. Right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the moment you so, lose yeah. control of Link. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm just I'm glad I never lost a race by like a second because <laughs> then you know wow that would have been on me. But yeah, I've been pressing it like a good second later than I could have been all this time, like for the last like three years. Wow. So, oops. <laughs> <laughs> At least it was later, you know what? and not before. It's fine. Exact. Yeah, I know that would have been really bad if I was yeah. if I was calling time early no and that's why like honestly i was a little bit unclear but i was like looking around at other people's streams and i was like yeah i, I think i'm doing it right but i knew that is since i wasn't exactly sure i had to go with the later of the two that i thought so that's that's another reason that's i was doing that like the perfect implementation of the meme uh you know at this point i'm too afraid to ask uh exactly yeah, that's what <laughs> yeah. it was that's why i was embarrassed to even say anything just now but at the end of the day you know what who cares it's it's all good i'm just putting it all out there i think uh, uh any other confessions? Yeah, I think as a child, I, you guys like shook this out of my head. I, uh, I pride myself on my ability to figure things out. But um, when I was a kid, I did. I remember remembering this vividly now. I had the worst time in Thieves Town because I kept getting the maiden and taking her upstairs, oh, and she would like disappear. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't understand what is going on with this. And it was like. Just so much frustration because I couldn't figure out that you don't take her up into the light upstairs. <laughs> I definitely remember trying to walk outside of the dungeon with her and her not coming with me and being like, what? Yeah. yeah. That's a complex puzzle yeah. for a Super Nintendo game. Yeah. I, I, it, well, yeah. Anyhow. Herf, what do you got? Nothing. I was a perfect blink to the past player ever since my childhood. I was afraid of that. Herf had like a 1992 world record. I I do have to admit, I don't like if there was anything that really stumped me or or I was really stupid about, I don't remember it. That's not to say that it didn't happen. It's more to say that it's been so long ago that my brain doesn't function right anymore. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I, I don't think I had any other typical pitfalls at least like I didn't try to use bombs on um, on uh, Helmosaur and I didn't try to only kill Trinex with the, the wands or the rods and uh, I, I think I pretty much yeah I, I don't know maybe it was because I've, I was such a Zelda fan at that point already I started with Zelda 1 on the NES and I played them all with like my neighbor. I think we've talked about this on the podcast before mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's kind of what made me 
more like in line with how the thinking goes as far as you know you use the item that you find in the dungeon to kill the boss it's it's you know it's not 100 percent true but generally if it's an item that you can use for something it's pretty much true it's probably less than half true isn't it like you don't use the mirror shield to bash in trinax Oh, man. I mean, yeah, it's... What do we have? I mean, we can't go, go through the dungeons. You use the bow for armos. You don't have to, but you do generally. Um, you don't... You definitely don't use the glove for Lanmo, but... <laughs> but you do you know. use the glove to get back to no, the No, like, just yeah. Yeah. specifically for the boss. It has yeah. to be to kill the boss, huh? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, but that's also not an item that you can use. It's not a Y item. It's, you know, so yeah, I, right. I don't really count it, I guess. Maybe that's unfair or biased, but so for that, then the same goes for Moldorm. You you get the Moon Pearl, it's not an item you can really use, so you kill him the way you can. Uh, where do we start in, Aga in the Dark World? just the sword. Yeah, then I mean, Aga pod. is just Aga. In All right, pod, then yeah. you would go Pod, Hammer, that makes sense, yeah. with a mask, at least. So you're, t- you're two and two right now. Then uh, we go to Thief's Town. Uh, which is what do we find in Thief's Town normally? The Titans Mitt. So you're gonna right. bash Blind's head in with that. Uh, all right, I, I guess. <laughs> you have to I snap mean, you know, them out of existence. Not since it's yet <laughs> another item that you can't use. So I don't really count that. Uh, you definitely. I mean, do you need the fire? You need the fire to get to Mothula, but do you need? You, you don't need, need it to kill it. No. You don't really no. need it, I guess. In fact, you probably have a better sword. I mean, your sword and the fire rod are equivalent in that fight if you're master sword or yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna roll right now. We're at four not actually useful for the bosses and two useful for killing the boss so far. All right. Well, let's get uh, swamp. Swamp. Okay, that's definitely useful for the boss. You can't kill Absolutely. Argus without the hook shot. Absolutely. Uh, after swamp, we've got ice, which is just blue mail. Which is just blue mail, so that doesn't really count, I guess. So three and five. Uh, and then after Meyer. ice is uh, Turtle Rock, right? No, Meyer, Meyer with the cane. Oh, yeah, Meyer. I forgot about Meyer. I suppose, and, yeah, you don't really... That's another bow boss. So you don't use the cane there, so we're three and six. You don't use the mirror shield for Trinex for three and right, seven. Maybe you don't, but wow. it feels like it's not a bad idea to, to go by in Zelda games in general, and like it's the an, greater Zelda mythos. I mean, I, yeah, but well, Zelda 1, you didn't use like the item you found to kill any of the bosses, other right. than the bow. But you don't, like, you find that in Dungeon 1, and you use it on the boss of Dungeon 6. Which is really Yeah, weird. but Zelda 1 is also, you know, you kill all the bosses with your swords. Do you ever really use any items except for the Dodongos, the maybe? Dongos. Yeah. yeah, you have to use the flute. You have to use the bow. You have to, to kill the, uh, whatever the spider dude is. Oh, yeah, that's Goma? right. Uh, yeah, Goma, right. I think that sounds think about so. right. Well, here's, yeah. a, here's a fun little, nice little bow to put on this. Uh, this is kind of what, PRNG, where everyone... Uh, perceives a pattern that's not really an actual pattern uh, with the three mm-hmm. and seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> yeah, well, even if you gave Fire Rod for um, for killing Moth, which I, I don't know. I don't know if it, I would necessarily. Because yeah, you can, probably you, not. Because you can kill Helmosaur without the, the hammer. You can do it with the bombs. I, um, I suppose um, just limiting it to you use the items in the dungeon to kill the bosses is too 
you know, too specific. Too narrow. I, I, yeah. Or too I, narrow. Right, yeah. It's, it's, I guess, you use the items that you find in the dungeon in the dungeon that you found it in, which is, if I remember correctly, also a big criticism of the Zelda series in general. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean that yeah. that's legit because you do use the mirror shield in Turtle Rock on the laser bridge. Like there there are points to it, but mm-hmm. right. um, yeah, I think it's it, even if you account for for the hammer and the fire rod, it's like fifty fifty, which is surprising because most people wouldn't they would they would think that they remember the ones that actually are required. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh so, hey, where do you where do you get silvers in vanilla? Uh, you get silvers you from at, the pyramid fairy, right? Yeah, pyramid fairy. You throw, you throw the literally bow in. have to trade your bow for a bow with silvers. Right. Yeah, I was gonna say if it was the big chest, the GT that could almost count. Nope, that's Ganon, the red mail. <laughs> yeah, it's yep, the red that's mail. the red mail. All right. Well, I guess it's probably about time for us to wrap this up. Vtorp, we held you over long, uh, so apologies for that. But thank you so much for giving us your your time and your and your knowledge here uh, this afternoon. Oh, I love it here. You you guys can you know just set up a cot in the corner. I'll go over there and nap. And as long as you like have sandwiches, I guess um, burgers, fries, whatever you know, whatever you guys cook up for yourselves, broccoli. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll hang out for for however long, whatever you need. Awesome. Hey, don't forget to give us our boots back from before because you took uh, those away for the metaphor, and we just, you know, just don't forget. I, well, you always use the flute, though. Why would you need the boots? I like both. I mean, maybe we're a little spoiled here, but we like we like uh, multiple ways to get around. You know, you, short you distance, to, long distance. You need to start changing that sound effect every now and again to be the boots. You know, take a little <laughs> take a little while to get this going. All right. Well, if, well, listener, if you heard that earlier in this episode, now you know why. It's because we were <laughs> we were uh, fulfilling that request. <laughs> Fine, you can have uh, your boots back. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, all right. So, uh, Vitor, why don't you leave us with uh, if you have anything that you're working on or any anything you'd like to link or plug right now? Uh, share that with us, if you would, please. Oh, sure. Uh, so, doing the uh, the the Twitch thing, you know, always trying to stream. I'm currently playing through. Um, the Twilight Princess, although we'll see what happens because I might just... I, I have the upcoming week off, which means I will probably be playing every day because the game surprisingly is fun. And yeah. don't quote me on this. I didn't... Like, Ocarina of Time's fine, but I don't like how it plays because the camera and the controller... I do not like that that controller on the N64. I am surprised at how much I am enjoying Twilight Princess. I, it's mm. It's actually a pleasure to play it. Yeah. Um, I, I loved it when it first came out. I was uh, uh, in college, I think, at the time, and I just devoured it. I thought it was super fun. Nice. Yeah, it's um, a good one. It is, it's very delightful. But yeah, so Saturdays, I'm usually programming the randomizer on my stream at 8 a.m. Eastern. If, if you want to come and just watch how the cheese is made, um, mm. it's it can be exciting. But mostly it's just me yelling at the code and people throwing in funny comments. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Um, I'm at uh, twitch.tv slash Tim underscore. Danty is at twitch.tv slash D-A-A-A-N-T-Y. <laughs> and Herf is at twitch.tv slash Herfy Durfy. Um, are you guys okay if we forego the shout outs this week in the interest of time? Yeah, sure. Y'all mm-hmm. know where to find us on Twitch. 
uh, hit us up in Discord if you want our recommendations. But uh, for now, I think that's going to do it for us. Again, uh, thank you so much to our guest and ALTTPR developer, Vtorp. Again, I've been Timp on behalf of our guest and co-host. Let's go ahead and mirror out. <laughs>